Welcome to the Lens Podcast, where we talk about current events, news, family, church, and life from a biblical worldview. We want to help people think about these things through the lens of the Bible. I'm your producer, David Wiseman, and here are your hosts, Brian and Brian. Hey, welcome to the podcast today. My name is Brian Hansen, And I'm Brian Solomon. And it's our practice to roll through three segments in our show. Uh, first segment's called A View of the World. The second one is Your Place in the World. And finally, we wrap things up with What in the World? And these three segments are designed for us to consider uh, life and, uh, and different issues through the lens of the Bible. So, Brian, take us into our topic of the day, brother. Yeah, so, you know, when, when we're talking about uh, the lens of viewing, viewing the world through the lens of Scripture, we're always looking for things that are going on in the world today that we can talk about. One of the things that is just, uh, we, we see it all over in our culture today, Brian, and it's coming down our throats. It's, it's the... Uh, the whole idea of transgenderism and uh, and how we see it playing out in our society today, yeah. and uh, and so we've um, we we've we've looked at this. We we see it coming down through our school systems, uh, through our education. Uh, we've even we you know we see it uh, uh, in any number of places. Um, there is an article today that came out in uh, actually over in, the weekend. Okay. Yep. Uh, on uh, I, I saw it on Fox News, but it's in uh, some other places as well, where it's talking about this uh, uh, Cambridge dean. It says defends a sermon about Jesus trans body, and sorry to be uh, you know just I'm I'm just reading here uh, tr- Jesus trans body vaginal side wound blasted as heresy. So, you know, for a while we've we've looked at it and said, well, it's happening out there. You know, they're they're talking about it. We see some movement out there, but it's really, you know, it, it doesn't impact us so much. But uh, now it has just made its way into the church. And uh, and there's an uproar about it. And I, I've got to tell you, as I was reading the article about what actually uh, came down there, what what happened there, to be honest with you, Brian, my my blood was starting to boil and I wasn't even sitting in the uh, I wasn't one of the congregants. Right, yeah. And, and just, just to read a, a quote uh, from the sermon, uh, this, this researcher from Cambridge, and his name is, um, uh, let me find it here, uh, something Heath, Joshua Heath. Uh, he says in his sermon, he says, In Christ's simultaneously masculine and feminine body in these works, if the body of Christ, as these works, suggests the body of all bodies, then his body is also the trans body. Uh, some of the statements are just crazy as it relates to this, this sermon. And uh, uh, even the people that were there, it says, the reports says that, that many of them left the, uh, the, the chapel there at Cambridge in tears and distraught. Yeah. There were cries of heresy, heresy. And uh, I and, wonder if there was cries of heresy while he was preaching. I, I don't think, was there? I, I don't know that it says that or if they're just now saying that it's, it's heresy. The article says, shouts of heresy reportedly rang out in the church well, as good. incensed worshipers left in disgust. Very good. And so the you're, you're right, Brian, this topic of uh, gender identity and gender identification and trans transgenderism and uh, all all of this it's not just uh, something um, that is taking place in Hollywood or uh, urban metropolitan city centers it's seemingly all over the place and of 
what this article is indicating. It's it's coming into the church itself. It, it is, and so here here's what we have. So we we just pulled out the the big one that uh, you know where we say it's coming into the church, but it is happening in our society too. Yeah. And the federal government has just um, they're they're wanting to make uh, changes to Title IX, which allows. Uh, male athletes uh, to become, to identify as female athletes and then uh, to play in the the female sports and things and probably vice versa, but where it will really have the effect is the male becoming, identifying as the female. Uh, As, as you know, a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go speak to the Ohio board of education about this subject as well. Uh, I was outnumbered 40 to one uh, when I was there speaking Uh, and, and they're outnumbered by whom? Uh, by those who are pro-trans, yes. um, in in their, in uh, they they were lining up to speak with me, and so uh, my daughter and I were in this room, outnumbered forty to one with um, with people who were obviously uh, on the on the other uh, point of view. You know, Brian, and we live, uh, my family and I, we live in a, a very small town that we believe is very religious. Um, and, and it is uh, infiltrated with re- religious people all over the place. But even in our town, um, our public library there, a small public library, somebody just uh, maybe four or five weeks ago sent us some uh, pictures of some books for children ages three, four, and five years old that are hardback books that are just pornographic in mm-hmm. nature. nature. And, uh, and so we look at this and we say, you know, it's easy for us to say, well, it's happening out there, but it's really not impacting me. Uh, the the question is well, do we have a uh, do we have a place to voice our opinions? Should we voice our opinions? Should we should we tar- start to take a stand, or should we just you know like the the church often does just say yeah no we know that that's an issue but we're not really going to address it right right and so uh, we're we're coming to the point of view as the lens looking at what's going on in the world right. through the lens of scripture. We're gonna need to address this, right? That's right. So let's let's spend some time doing that. Uh, going on to our next segment. Yeah. So this is our uh, your place in the world. This is where yeah. we uh, begin to explore what the Bible has to say as it relates to life and godliness. And certainly, the Bible says some things for uh, for all people to know in terms of what what uh, our purpose in life is, our identity in life, um, uh, who God is. And, and the best way to understand who man is, is, is to understand who we are in light of who God is. Right. And so the Bible is not, not silent here. And I think uh, it's, it's always good for, uh, for, for people to kind of get back to the beginning. Where, where is your starting point in terms of thinking through life? Uh, where, where do you go for, for truth? Uh, the 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 issue of truth uh, is an interesting conversation, but but where do you where do you derive truth from? Do you do you look deep within yourself for truth, uh, or is truth knowable outside of your yourself? And I think uh, Romans one is is a really good starting mm-hmm. point, Brian. And uh, and and the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter one verse starting verse eighteen, he. He, uh, he begins to, to lay out this, this argument that I think is timely for our day. And he says this, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. 
For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. Well, what, have been ma- what has been made? Well, man has been made, male and female. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds and animals, creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Why? According to verse 25, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Right. And that's at the heart, I believe, Brian, of this topic, this issue, and, uh, and, and, and it's not just this one, it's others as well. Things go sideways for people in this world, this broken world that we live in, when we exchange the truth of God and believe a lie. And, uh, and so I think, Brian, uh, let's discover together today on our podcast the truth of what God says about the nature of man in his words. Yeah. From his word, sorry. And let's go back to Genesis 1. Well, I mean, that's the starting point. That's the starting point of all creation. And so it's it's really interesting. After God creates all of creation, we, we have, you know, the, the, the sun, the moon, we have the birds, the trees, we have the water, the fish, uh, everything. And then he comes down in, in uh, Genesis chapter 1, and I'm going to start at verse 26. When he says this, he says, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the of the heavens and over the livestock and over uh, all the earth and every uh, creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, listen to this in verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So this is very uh, explicit here. God created man in his image. Now, before I go on with that, just let, let me say this, and we were talking about this earlier. This topic seems to be one of those topics where it's like, how can you... Th- uh, you know, flip your flip your nose at God. You know how how can you how can you put uh, God on notice or whatever? It's it's in the in the beginning. If you take number one, take Genesis out of the equation, with which many people do, at least the first two or three chapters, they want to just disregard that. But you have a very t- a very difficult time disregarding Genesis one and two if you because then it's like well. To your point, what what's the basis of of authority? Who who who's the arbitrator of what should stay in the Bible and what shouldn't stay That's in right. the Bible? Yeah, if Genesis one isn't trustworthy. Is if, if is you, any of the Bible trustworthy? Absolutely. And and so if you get rid of Genesis one, you have to get rid of John chapter one. If you get rid of Genesis one, you have to get rid of Colossians chapter one That's because right. both of them talk about Jesus being the primary person of the Godhead that was involved in creation. Right. Well, and then there's also other. Well, so we can we can go go uh, in another on that. podcast. Yeah. yeah, but here it's saying though that that God created man in His image, and He says male and female created He them. That's right. So actually, the very first binary statements in Scripture. Oh, I thought all binaries were evil, man. 
<laughs> you take us there? Well, God makes the first <laughs> binary statement. He says male and female. That's right. Period. Yeah. And uh, and so so here, I mean, we, we come down to the the beginning chapters of Scripture, uh, the beginning chapters of all creation and yeah. how it was started. And then, you know, going back to Romans chapter 1, where uh, we, we see that um, that God— uh, he he place he even places with this within us a conscience of right and wrong, but we oppose ourselves to God, and when we oppose ourselves to God, it's like he he says, okay, he gives them over to their own lusts, you yeah. know, and their own thinking. He's like, okay, I've had it with you guys. Yeah. I, I tried. Yeah, I mean, he says that you know, in, in our suppression of the truth, he gives us over to a, a foolish, debased mind. Yeah, our minds are are darkened, and and I think we're seeing that played played out in culture here, where where there's a willful rejection of what God has revealed. There's a willful rejection of of how God has made us. And you know, Brian, one of the one of the neat resources that the church has at its uh, fingertips are uh, various catechisms that have been used in 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 various sectors of Protestantism through the ages. Uh, Tim Keller's church, uh, the Redeemer Presbyterian Church of, of New York City, they, they recently worked through a catechism called the New City Catechism. Yeah. And uh, one, one of the questions in this catechism is, how and why did God create us? And, and so if you're not familiar with catechisms, basically there's a, a question and then an answer, and it's used as a, as a means of teaching. And it's great for families to work through together, but it's great for people just to do in their own devotions even. But the question is, how and why did God create us? And the answer is, God created us male and female in His own image to know Him, to love Him, to live with Him, and glorify Him. And it's right that we who are created by God should live to his glory. And then the, a follow-up question and answer then is, well, how can we live, or excuse me, how can we glorify God? And the answer to that question is, we glorify God by enjoying him, loving him, trusting him, and by obeying his will, his commandments, and his law. And so when you think about Genesis 1 and all that's contained in it, one, we, we have the created order, we have the created person or the creative person, which is God, the created being, which is us. The purpose for our creation is to reflect God's image, to enjoy God and, and glorify him and all that we do. God gave Adam and Eve a job, so there's there's work and duty that follows there. But we glorify God by enjoying him, loving him, trusting him. And at the heart of the transgender issue is that when a person comes to the conclusion that says, you know what, uh, I, I was born a man, but you know, I, I believe that I'm a woman trapped inside of a man's body. Or I was born a woman, but I'm, a, I'm really a, a, a man trapped inside of a woman's body. What they're doing is they're beginning to believe a lie that God made a mistake in creating them the way he made them. God made an error. Well, the God of the Bible doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make errors. He's created each of us on purpose with a purpose, and that purpose is to glorify Him and enjoy fellowship with Him, to love Him and to trust Him. Well, if you believe that God made a mistake in making you, then you're revealing to yourself and to the world that you don't trust Him. And then if you don't trust Him, of course, there's going to be nothing in your life that suggests that you're obeying His will for your life. 
And yet when we're glorifying God, we're, we're realizing the grand purpose of what he's made us to do and to be and to be fulfilled in this life. And that's the sad part of this whole issue, is that people are missing the real life and vitality of their that are, that are connected to the, the, their very purpose in being. And yeah. that's that's a sad part there. So well, uh, just let me interject there please. and say, you know, when I went to speak to the uh, the uh, Ohio Board of Education, the thing that I kept hearing over and over and over from the various speakers was, well. When I was young, I felt, or I just feel, or my feelings were, and it was all about feelings. Right. And now we we even, um, well, the, the, the big word uh, that is out there right now is identity. Yeah. Uh, you know, I want, I want to find my identity. And, and so the question has to be asked, Brian, is where do we find our identity? Because if you take God out of the equation, you are looking hard and you are looking long and you will not find your true identity without absolute truth. That's right. And so the the, the Bible is not silent on no. this issue. No. So it, I mean, it tells us where our identity is to be found. Mm-hmm. And hey, let me jump in here. You know, when we think about this this whole topic and where where we've been, even in our conversation today, I think that there's a lot of hope to be found, not just for Christians, but for all people everywhere. And, Absolutely. And, and John 10 is is really helpful. John 10 is the, the famous uh, Good Shepherd discourse where Jesus identifies himself as the Good Shepherd. And in, in verse uh, 3... Jesus says says this, and he's he's giving this sermon. He says, you know, the sheep hear his, speaking of the, the shepherd, hear his voice, and he calls out his sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he's brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they won't follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And then if you skip down just a couple of more uh uh, verses here, Jesus as the good shepherd draws a, a, the distinction between himself as the shepherd and others who are a hired hand, who work with the sheep, but they really don't care and love the sheep like he does. And Jesus says, hey, this hired hand, he's he's not the shepherd. He doesn't, he doesn't own the sheep. And when this hired hand sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep, he leaves them and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. And he flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And then Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. And so in these moments of ideological danger, and I believe that this is a dangerous thing, the good shepherd who is Jesus can be trusted because he cares for his sheep. He cares for his people. He will go before them and lead them and protect them and guide them. He's one that's worth following because he cares and loves loves his sheep. And so inside of this whole debate where there's um, competing truth claims and uh, ideological <sighs> mishmash of pudding, so to, so to speak, we can, we can find our way through that by going to God's Word and see that Jesus is the good shepherd and has a plan for his sheep. Yeah. And our duty is to trust and to follow. And when we do that, 
According to Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, shall not want. Yeah. He leads me beside still waters. He takes me into those green pastures. There's, there's protection and vitality in life when I order my steps around Jesus, who's the good shepherd. You know, uh, as, as you're talking about this, one of the things that stands out in my mind is the last time we were in Israel, we were in a bus. There was probably uh, 30 of us or so. We were in this bus, and we were hauling along on a, on a road, and we come around the corner, and all of a sudden the driver slams on his brakes, and everybody you know grabs the seats in front of him, <laughs> and we all look out the front window. And what is there on, and you know on the road? And there's I don't know how many sheep there were, but there was maybe a hundred, <laughs> uh, is my guess. And there was a couple uh, shepherds there, and I had never seen this before. I've mm-hmm. I've read about it in scripture, but there it is. It's right there. It's playing out in front of us. And so you know um, the uh, the driver, you know he he doesn't lay on his horn. Hon- but he, you know, he honks and I mean, they knew that we were there, but he's like, okay, fellas, come on. <laughs> and so what happened was, uh, the, the shepherds, I, w- I was in the bus. I didn't hear the sound, but they obviously made their own noises. And there, there was two of them and one went to the right of the road and the other went to the left and the sheep, their own sheep followed them. And I was like, the sheep, they hear they hear the voice of their master and they followed the master That's and they right. and they were looking around you know the the shepherds were and they're like okay we're good see you That's later right. and and so this is a comforting fact but it's also a terrifying fact mm-hmm. so for for it, why is it terrifying because if you can't hear the voice of god if you can't hear a conscience to say this is right or this is wrong and you are only inclined to do that which is wrong not hearing the conscience of that which is right, you have to be terrified. You should be terrified. Because why? Because you're not in the family. You're not in the fold of the master. You can't hear his voice. But it's also a very encouraging thing. Because if you can hear the voice of the master, you follow the master. That goes back to Deuteronomy chapter 11 where it says this. You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his charge his statutes and his rules, his commandments, always. always. It's it's something that you have a desire to do. It's not, well, how can I stay away? It's like, what does he want of me? And I will do it. I will follow. And so, the, you know, the, the, the question is, well, um, again, how can I know that I'm a part of that family? Yeah. Well, the Bible is not silent. Nope. And it has nothing to do with what we think or how we feel, right? We have to come to. If we're going to come to God, we have to come to God on God's terms, right? And that is by accepting the fact that Genesis three says that we are a sinner, that there's nothing that uh, that we can do in and of ourselves to make it to heaven, uh, but uh, that Jesus sent His God sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, and that His shed blood was payment for our sins. And then Romans chapter 10, it, it sums it up very, very much uh, where, where it says, listen, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, Jesus, mm-hmm. and you confess with your mouth that, that uh, uh, Jesus is Lord, is Lord yeah. you will be saved. That's right. Period. Yep. And so that's, that's the message of salvation. That's how you hear the voice of God is by uh, believing, believing in him and being a part of his family. That's right. So yeah, Brian, so this this whole topic is not hopeless. It is not. It's not. In God's word, as always, 
is uh, it has gets the, the 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 chance to be the final say in all matters of life and practice. Yeah. And this issue is not exempt from that. So hey, I, I know that that's not the de- the definitive word on this this topic. It's not. It's not meant to be. But just a couple of good things, Lord willing, for our listeners to kind of think through and be reminded of that uh, God's word can be trusted. God's word is a light. Uh, it's a lamp. Uh, it's trustworthy. It points us to our Savior, the Good Shepherd, Jesus. And it is the final authority. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Praise hey, the Lord. Hey, let's move on here. We got one more. Yeah. What in the world, Brian? Well, what in the world? What yeah. was um, what was the... Brian, a- a- answer this question. What was the Christmas gift you always wanted but you never got? You know, this is a great question, and I've thought about this a little bit. And and I think that there were different times in my life where I wanted different things. Oh, yeah. um, so, like, when I was, like, in elementary school— um, I'm going to date myself here, but, but transformers like the, <laughs> like the old school, like first generation transformers toys, um, were, were kind of all the rage. And, uh, and I always wanted to get Optimus prime and a couple of the, the different, <laughs> you know, and, and it just, it didn't materialize. But then when I got into, you know, high school, you know, I was always dreaming, uh, about, uh, you know, opening a small box that had a set of keys, uh, there and, and go out to the driveway and there'd be, uh, you know, a beater car, you know, I knew that a sports car was never even realistic, but just something, just wheels. I just wanted wheels. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and that, that didn't happen. And then, uh, you know, the, the older I get now, now that I'm a, I'm a dad, I'm an old married man, you know, I just, uh, I, I think a good Christmas gift is a, is a light credit card bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> well, what about you? So, so let, let me change this question a, a little bit. Okay. Maybe a whole lot. What was the best Christmas gift I ever got? Fair. Can yeah. I go there? Yeah, go there. So I forget how old I was, maybe six or seven, something like that. But no, I'm going to date myself. But, you know, we didn't, we didn't have much growing up and, uh, but we, we had enough. And I, you know, I remember the bike that I started out on, it was this old black rickety dink, you know, bike, whatever. And my friends were all getting these nice bikes and, oh man. And you know, we had the five speeds and stuff. And, and, uh, so I wanted, I wanted this bike for Christmas and it was this five speed with a banana seat, you know, and the, the high handlebars and stuff. The well, easy rider. Yeah. And we didn't get a lot of, we didn't get a lot of presents. And, uh, and so I opened all my presents and I was, it was light for me. Right. <laughs> and I was like, you know, you, you're always thankful for what you got, but it, it, I didn't get a lot. And it was that, it was that, that time where, you know, after everybody's done with their presents, uh, dad says, well, Brian, there, there might be one more. And you're like, what, what, you know? <laughs> and so he goes down to the basement and I know, I just knew what was coming. And he comes up with this, it, it was this green gold, whatever bike with this beautiful banana seats and the five gears on the middle, you know, oh, the, the, man. and it was like, oh, it was just, it was glorious. <laughs> and I rode the wheels off of that thing, but yeah, that was, that was my best Christmas gift ever oh, looking that's, back. That's great. Yeah. Well, Hey, that's what in the world. That's the lens podcast. Uh, thanks friends for joining us today. We'll catch you on the next episode.